Hello, Jays fans. Welcome back to the Blue Jays Bites podcast. My name is Bryant Ott from whiteandbluereview.com. I'm joined tonight with, by Matt DeMoranis, and this is episode six of Blue Jay Bites. Really appreciate you joining us for this and taking the time out to listen, joining the other diehard Creighton Blue Jays fans who can't get enough coverage of their Jays, so they turn to crazy people like uh, Matt and myself who dedicate some of our time on a daily basis to making sure that we get as many of the stories covered about Creighton sports that you, the diehard fans, would love to know about. And this week we've got another uh, batch of interviews with student-athletes and coaches on tap. Uh, Matt has been down on campus all week, down on the hilltop, collecting interviews with volleyball players, men's basketball players, coaches uh, galore, and just taking in all things Creighton sports. So, Matt, welcome back to the show. And, again, I'd be remiss if I didn't thank you for all the hard work and time you put in down there. I know it was probably an exciting week after everything that happened around Blue Jays athletics last weekend and leading up to this one. Yeah, thanks for having me back on. It was uh, definitely a whirlwind. I'm not really sure what day it is today, but I think it's <laughs> I think it's podcast day, so it must be Thursday. In um, podcast land, it's any day you want it to be. It's whatever day you're listening to the show. So if right. uh, historically it's either Thursday, Friday, or Saturday – for our listeners so uh you know just pick one of those and that's what day it is today (laughs) um about a week ago when we were getting episode five recorded our most popular episode uh so far um that was right before creighton volleyball was headed down to lincoln for the emeritus players challenge matt you were down there you covered the blue jays all weekend I know you were able to interview Jaylee Winters and Megan Ballinger. I was going to say it right naturally until you told me not Just to say it the other way. Isn't that crazy? Yeah, that's insane. We I stopped myself. He's like, no, oh, I totally. Um, Brian was like, I knew it the whole time. Right. You were down in Lincoln. Um, tell us a little bit about what you saw. Obviously, the Blue Jays were hoping to come out of there with three wins. They left Lincoln with two. Tell us how that weekend went and then kind of segue us into the interviews you were able to collect this week with Jay Lee and Megan. Sure. Uh, you know, Friday was um, sort of butt whipping day for Creighton and Nebraska. They kind of got to pick on um, Gonzaga and uh, Montana State. Um, they swept both the teams um, pretty convincingly. Um, Gonzaga was actually a pretty decent team just not on the level of a Creighton or Nebraska. So, you know, you know how that goes. But um, that Gonzaga match started early in the morning. I think it was about it was about a 10.01 a.m. first serve. And uh, that was kind of like the Megan Ballinger coming out party. Um, the Jays started a little – really, they started a little slow. Um, I'm not sure uh, Coach Kirsten Brenthal-Booth said uh, she thought her players were a little bit, um, a little bit nervous because – they entered the match four and five, and um, with this being the last weekend of the non-conference schedule, it was kind of a big game in the regard of Gonzaga had a good RPI, and Creighton needed a good RPI win and to get the weekend off to a good start. So she sensed that the players were a little tight, but um, Megan Ballinger kind of carried them out of that, pulled them out of the rut, and uh, had a match for the ages, um, if you want to call it that. I mean, she was just very efficient. Um, serving, passing, um, hitting off the slide, hitting 
in the middle and the outside. And, uh, you know, she ended up with 13 kills on 19 total swings. Um, she had three, three aces, five digs, two blocks. I mean, she was kind of all over the place and really had a breakout match. And, um, obviously the Big East Conference rewarded her with her second straight Freshman of the Week award based off of her performance. So that was how they started off the weekend. Then they played Montana State in the nightcap that night. But Montana Pretty State didn't really play back, did they? No, Montana State was kind of there to see the sights. <laughs> All right. In they were there Nebraska. for the Oregon-Nebraska <laughs> game, right. Yeah, it was kind of uh, – hopefully they had a nice vacation because they, uh, their volleyball experience that weekend wasn't very pleasant. Um, I mean, even once Nebraska and uh, Creighton were done with them, you know, the next the next morning they played um, – and Gonzaga picked him off in three sets too. So uh, they kind of just got run off the floor in all three matches they played. But um, yeah, uh, Creighton, again, it was kind of a little bit of a slow start by the Blue Jays. And there were moments of, you know, inconsistent play and some mistakes that kind of bothered Coach Booth. But um, Marissa Wilkinson, again, another one of those middle blocker right side players, they kind of like to swap. Wilkinson and Ballinger, depending on the matchup, and just to kind of keep things keep things fresh for the opponent to deal with. So it was Wilkinson's turn to kind of carry them out through the rut, and uh, she ended up with 12 kills on 14 swings, um, which was the second best uh, hitting percentage or attack percentage in Creighton history for a one for a single match. Hmm. She ended up with 786, and Lauren Smith I think has the record at 857. Um, it's actually kind of funny because uh, Marissa had the record. I think she was hitting 923, and she got taken out of the match uh, midway through the third set when it was already well in hand. She didn't, <laughs> she didn't need to come back in the match at all. It was over with. Sure. Um, but, but Booth inserted her back in with about three points left to go. And, of course, uh, Lydia Dimke, the setter, um, you know, sets her up right away, and she – hits one down the line that just goes out to bring her hitting percentage down right below Lawrence to finish second all time uh. uh, in a single match. So that was one of those things where it's funny because Rob Anderson was doing radio and he was heading down the stairs to get Marissa and you know what kind of a numbers guy Rob is. He so knew we both knew. Yeah. We both knew she had the record as long as she stayed on the bench or didn't touch a ball again. <laughs> um, <laughs> so she comes back in and Rob goes, Oh no, what is going on? So it was, uh, it was pretty funny to watch that record go away at the last second when she had it in the bag. But, um, yeah, it was a pretty Creighton kind of walked through the second and third set. I think they ended up hitting like five fifty something in the third set to, you know, just finish off Montana state. So that kind of set them up for the big match with Nebraska, number one, Nebraska on Saturday night. You know the the real reason everyone was down in Lincoln that weekend. Of course, um, I think all the Creighton I think fans Oregon down there Nebraska were wearing green, right? <laughs> right. Yeah. I think Oregon and Nebraska were playing some kind of football game or something, yeah, but that was in the morning. You know, it wasn't a big deal. Yeah, I don't know. Uh, but yeah, the the Creighton Nebraska match was. Um, I guess if you're thinking that this isn't, I guess it's easy to look at the overall series and see that Nebraska's never lost to Creighton in a match that has counted, you know, mm-hmm. um, and think, well, that's not much of a rivalry if Nebraska wins all the time. But, I, you know, if you really consider all the strides Creighton has made in volleyball and kind of the trajectory they're currently on, 
And then you see the type of match that they played on Saturday where Creighton takes the first set and it was the only the second set Nebraska's lost all season since the very first set of the season against a uh, top 10 Florida team. Mm-hmm. So you see that, they take the first set, and then you see the second set, they kind of get run over, and you're like, okay, here comes Nebraska. Wheels, right, are, you know? wheels might be coming off a little bit, sure. Exactly, but Creighton comes right out of the locker room in the third set. I don't even, I can't uh, speak factually on this. I'm not sure what the largest lead was, but it felt like it felt like it was back and forth the entire time, just one point after another. It felt like side outs were hard to come by in the third set. And actually, um, you know, if you look at, yeah, it was just it was just <laughs> it was just a really back and forth set. And Creighton had, I think, it's one that when Creighton looks back on it, yeah and thinks how close they were to actually pulling off the upset, that third set is going to kill them because uh, they had set point three different times. Yeah, it was the one that got away. I mean, right. Yeah, they were up 24-22. And a match that they were there at uh, was the one that got away. Yeah, they were up 24-22 and then 25-24, I think, were the two, um, the three instances of set point that Nebraska was able to um, – save points on each of those and end up winning it at 27, 25. And then the four set started out the same way. And then, you know, Nebraska kind of got on a run late to, you know, 25, 18 doesn't look like a close set, but it really was. So, you know, if you take away the second set, um, Creighton and Nebraska pretty much played neck and neck for three sets. So when you consider that Nebraska is, you know, the reigning national champion, they're undefeated and they're probably better than they were last year. You know, you're looking at this Creighton team who's really young, who's, you know, had an up-and-down non-conference from a result standpoint. Um, you know, I don't think you can come out of it feeling anything but positive about, you know, where the Blue Jays are headed if they can, um, you know, continue to improve and continue to get better. I think they have a chance of knocking off somebody big in this season. So you mentioned uh, you mentioned how young this team is and um last year Jaylee winters took the blue jays the big east by storm uh freshman out of ankeny iowa this year uh megan ballinger also from ankeny all now freshman uh coming in and you mentioned alluded to the match she had uh this weekend in lincoln i know you were able to catch up with both of those two volleyball standouts and they represent just a crystal clear wonderful future and continued future for the Blue Jay volleyball team. Talk a little bit about set, set up your interview, Matt, and then we'll go ahead and listen. But uh, really can't say enough about Winters and uh, Ballinger, especially uh, for how young and new they are still in the system. Right. Yeah, I got a chance to sit down with them yesterday. I kind of wanted to – obviously the Ankeny – they're both from Ankeny, Iowa, so the Ankeny tie is you know, an obvious storyline that I think is going to get played up throughout their careers. Um, but I've kind of had some fun with them over the year, last year and, you know, change about, uh, you know, the history of Creighton standouts coming from Ankeny, Iowa. Um, last fall at media day, neither of them knew who Ryan Sears was. So that was wow. a fun question. We, <laughs> a fun question we revisited this time around in this interview. Um, there have been some improvements in that regard. I'll say that, but I won't spoil it for you. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and obviously Jaylee wears Ryan's old number, number five. So there's, you know, just, uh, you know, stuff that sports writers eat up their storylines for days. So we talked about that. We talked about, um, 
John Cooks, obviously Nebraska head coach, his comments that Creighton was as good as anybody they faced. We touched on that a little bit and kind of got their reaction to it. Um, and then we, I dove into a little bit of the some Ankeny quick facts to see how well they knew their hometown. So wow, it's a pretty fun it's a pretty fun interview, and uh, you know I think it'll be an interesting listen to see what. Um, these two kids who will probably be the leaders of this volleyball team going forward for the next, you know, three to four years, what Creighton fans have to look forward to on the hard court. All right. So we'll just go jump right into that. And then when, uh, when we get done with the interview, we'll go ahead and, uh, get, get a level set for what to expect from Blue Jay volleyball this weekend. So here's Matt DeMarina speaking with Jaylee Winters and Megan Ballinger. First question I asked you this last fall, but it wasn't really fair since you guys were new to Creighton. Do you know who Ryan Sears is? Yes. I do. Do you know like, what he looks like? Yeah, actually. You don't have to know what he looks like. Do you I know? don't know what he looks like. I just know that he played basketball, right? He played basketball, yeah. Yeah. Okay. So Are you sure Ankeny? Yeah. That's all I know about him. He, okay. He's the head of like FCA and all Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, he maybe I do know. He came to our FCA at, when it was at Okay. So she's, she's paying attention. Though. Yeah, she's paying yeah. more attention than me. His nickname is the Ankeny Bulldog. He's one of the best Creighton vessel players ever. So that's huh. why I asked you last year. But it was okay that she didn't know. But now it's not was, okay. It's getting to the point where it shouldn't be okay. <laughs> okay yeah. I'll get on Google. <laughs> yeah. Um, so I guess uh, to business side of it first, other than finding out that Megan is a pretty decent volleyball player, the world getting to find that out, what did you, I guess, what did you guys take away from the non-conference portion of your schedule? What did you figure out about yourselves as a team? Um, I think we figured out how great we can be and how great we already are. Um, we realized that we can stay in there with the best of the best, but now it's just finding a way to win to get those few extra points at the end of the game. Yeah, I would echo that too. It's like the extra points is kind of where it was lacking at first, but I think we've learned a lot in a short amount of time to put us over um, put us over the top of the other teams we're going to come up and play this, this yeah. coming weeks and the coming weeks. We're the deadliest six. 6'6 six, six team in the country right now. Now you're stealing my quotes. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I guess after the uh, Nebraska match on Saturday, um, John Cook said that Creighton is the or as good as anybody they faced. And obviously they, you know, swept Texas, beat Florida in four. I guess what, what's your reaction when you hear that? My reaction is like we have to prove it. I mean, we have to get the wins to prove it. I think that's my attitude towards it that's great but I don't think until we have the wins yeah it really means anything like almost beating Nebraska not even that we almost did I mean it didn't go to five or anything but almost doesn't count for anything in rankings or standings or anything at all so we still got to win but yeah we definitely challenged Nebraska but now we got to beat big teams give us some more wins in our resume so it's just it's kind of empty to you I mean something that you know did you, I guess, did you know that going in, that, you know, you were getting close to their level? Or just hearing that and seeing how close you were in that match kind of just reinforce it? I mean, we came into the game expecting to win. Mm-hmm. Everyone on our team believed we could win. I still believe that we can win every game. So if you played them tomorrow, you'd still have the same mindset? Absolutely. Absolutely. I'd be even more confident if we played them tomorrow. Same with you? Yeah. I'd echo that, too. Okay. Speaking of post-match comments, Jaylee? Do you remember what you said uh, last year after the North Carolina win? Yes. Okay. So, do you, you remember it word for word? 
what um, you say? No, I don't remember it word for word. Okay. Do you yeah. have it here? I have it. Okay. <laughs> you said, I always win. It's what I do. Oh, gosh. Now, my question is, you know, you see in this social media age when kind of everything gets magnified and blown up, you even see pro athletes, you know, great pro athletes try to make politically correct statements. You know, they're really afraid to put themselves out in that manner. Why are you not afraid to say things like that? Well, first of all, my adrenaline was still pumping. That was like 15 <laughs> minutes after the game, and I was on cloud nine so at you're that gonna walk, point. Are you walking it back? Are you walking it back? I don't want to walk it back, but I want to say that, like, look, technically I don't win every game. Like, sure. you could look at the thing and see that. But... In a way, I would like to say that I do win when I lose. I think everyone wins when they lose because you get so much better when you lose because you take it to heart more. You think about how you need to improve more and then when you win the game. You don't think about it as much because you won and you're happy. Now, when you heard her say that, were you surprised at all or is that just Jaylee? No, that's just Jaylee. <laughs> that's something she would say. No, I'd expect that. No, I guess, you know, your two relationship is kind of unique. You know, you're teen college teammates, but you're from the same town, but you also grew up together. Would you, I mean, how long have you known each other? We've known each other since kindergarten. Really? Yeah. But then we went to the same elementary school in kindergarten, and then you started going to a different years. elementary school. We moved. Yeah. So we kind of lost touch for elementary school. Not that I really remember. But I know we, went, we didn't go to the same elementary school. And then we started playing, like, our little local hey. rec volleyball together in, like, in fifth grade. Association. Yep. So, and, then, and then, obviously, you played on the same high school team for the first two years, correct? Yep. Mm -hmm. At Ankeny High? Yes. Yeah. So, and then you went to Centennial the last two years. Yes, because right? our high school split in half and you just went whichever way. So you, you were, were on the boundary. You were forced to go Yeah, there way. wasn't a choice yeah. in it. She lives on the north side, I live on the south side. Okay, because my high school actually split my senior year, but we, our senior class had a choice whether mm -hmm. to stay or go, but you didn't have an option, you had to... No, no that's choice. No choice whatsoever. So I guess being that you were good friends and then obviously pretty good volleyball players on the same team, how tough was it to have to, you know, go to a different 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 school and play against each other? I mean, we'd known that our schools were going to split since, like, sixth grade. Oh, really? So it wasn't, yeah. like, news by any means. Like, we'd known for a long time that it was going to happen, but when it did happen, it was just... We were all curious to see how it would play out with sports and everything. Like, would all the sports go downhill because we're splitting all the best? But both teams, both sports, and all sports did really well after the split still. Megan, how competitive has it been between you two? I guess when you've had a chance to compete, you know, growing up in club and playing, obviously, those two years against each other in high school, you know, and just kind of in really all facets, whether it's like a pickup situation or any kind of sport, how competitive is it between you two? Um, I don't know. I think, I think it was just, it was competitive because of the nature of the situation. Yeah. yeah. Just, we're both the best at our high schools, not to toot our horns, but, like, it made it seem to be us against each other, but we never really were, but yeah. just the fact that we're crosstown rivals and that yeah. was played up so big, like, up. they just played up like that, but. But when you stepped on the court against her, you wanted to win. Oh, yeah. yeah, 100%. Yeah, we went absolutely. One, we went one and one. I won junior year, you won senior, senior year, yep. and we played each other. Is that the perfect way to go off as, I guess, even though someone doesn't have the upper hand? No, I no, want the upper hand, you but want it's fine. The, yeah, I want kind of the upper hand, yeah, no. <laughs> no one's happy in this. <laughs> Not exactly over it. So I guess, uh, Megan, you committed to Creighton first, yeah. correct? So um, how much were you in Jaylee's ear, you know, we can play together again, all that sort of thing, <laughs> or did you kind of just... Not let at it, all. Really? No, no she let me make my own decision. I like 
let her know. I think I I committed like the day before her first visit, and I yeah, called her, day and I was like, I was like, oh, I just committed. Like by the way, like have a great visit. So it wasn't uh -huh. like, let's say, you took a little bit longer because you looked at some other schools and stuff, and uh -huh. you decided, and we found out. So Megan, for you, what what was it about Creighton that you know made you think this was the right place? Um, I know you get that question probably a lot. Yeah, but. I honestly just thought the people, like in the athletic department and the academic side, and then um, knowing a few people like from Ingme that went here, not for sports, but just um, academics and stuff, and talking to them, they had a really great experience. And I've never found anyone that ever had a bad experience at Creighton. Yeah, so me neither. Actually, it's like it's cheesy to say. Yeah, but, everyone like, loves yeah. it here. Everyone like loves it. So, so. I guess for your first year, uh, you know, obviously Jaylee has, you know her accolades that you're currently trying to add to. Uh, I think, like I said, I think we should rename this award that the biggest is going to hand out to a freshman. But I guess how tough was it for you last year to, you know, to have to sit out, knowing that, you know, you really didn't get a chance because of the early injury to, you know, show what you had in early, and you really didn't have a choice but to redshirt because of how far behind you were? Um, I would say it was hard, but, um, like, during it. And now after, like, I look back at it and, see that it was like beneficial and the extra year of like strength conditioning and just like getting used to being at college and going to like practice here with the team so I'd say it, it's going to benefit me in the long run and I think it's going to be sad like to watch my class graduate now later yeah. and like still be here but I'm guessing they're going to be like you're lucky you have another year and so. you get another extra year paid for and an extra year of so academics so I guess uh, seeing what Megan's doing early on so far in the season, does any of that surprise you at all? Because you've, oh, no. you've played her more than probably anybody you know, in this gym. You know what she's capable of as a volleyball player. Mm -hmm. Is this all, you know, seeing her win freshman of the week a couple times, you're like, yeah, that's kind of what I expected. Yeah, absolutely. I'm not surprised at all. Um, Ankin is a great place to grow up, you know? It's just, <laughs> just awesome, so. <laughs> so uh, now we're going to have a little fun. And we're gonna see how well you know this town of yours. Oh, no. <laughs> so I've done a little homework. So I have answers in front of me. I'm gonna cheat, okay, but okay. we're gonna see how like well you guys know. No oh shoot! Please don't ask that. <laughs> right, so the first question is: When was Ankeny, Iowa founded? What year? 1930 something. Really? No, I have no idea. So oh. what's your guess? 1932. Okay. That's too. I feel like it has to be older. Older? Yeah. Oh, you're right. You're right. I don't know. No, I don't know. 1912. <laughs> it's 100 years, 1900 years old. The answer is 1875. Hi, I'm <laughs> Okay, this one is kind of a softball. If you're paying attention to where you currently are, this one's kind of a softball. Okay. Okay. In this arena, but the reason I put you two here, right here specifically, is so you cannot see the answer. Yeah. Yeah. There is a retired jersey in this arena of someone who is from Ankeny, Iowa. You know it? Connie Yori. Yori? Yeah. Yori. Connie Yori. Yeah. She knows. Haha. -ha. <laughs> my history is not For good. the record, Megan Dollinger has done her Ankeny Creighton homework. <laughs> okay. What county is Ankeny, Iowa located? Cold, cold county. Okay. As of 2010, what was the census population? And I'll give you... 50-something. I'll let you get the first two numbers. It's five digits, though. Five digits? Yeah. So uh, I'll let you the first two. 50, to be correct. 52,000. Okay. 50,000. 54,598. Really? Oh, wow. Yeah. Our population, wow. we're like the third fastest growing city in the country. Go so. us. Yeah, it was. It was pretty, it was definitely in Iowa. Now, where does that number rank as far as largest cities in Iowa? Des Moines is the biggest, right? 
Iowa City, is that up there? If you count the college population. Do you count that? I don't know. I feel like you have to. Shoot, no. We're gonna really... <laughs> No, yeah, I don't think you count it. Like technical here. Um, West Des Moines pretty big. I don't think that counts as Des Moines. Can we just say, let's say third. Third? I think third. Third, you think it's the third biggest city in Iowa? There's not a lot of cities in Iowa. Okay, it's 11th. Is it oh, really? Yeah. <laughs> Shoot, we thought we were making it. Dang, we're way ahead of I'm not ourselves. surprised you thought you were that high. Like, surprised me at all. We like are in Des Moines, though. Like, I count Des Moines. How many, how many zip codes are in Ankeny, Iowa? Uh, 50021, 50023. Yeah, mine's C3. There's only two. I'm pretty sure. Two. There are three. Oh, Dang it! What's the other one? Oh, I should have guessed three. I didn't write them down, but there are three. Uh, who is the mayor of Ankeny, Iowa? Yep, no yeah, idea. Could not tell. No idea. Really? Is it a girl or a guy? That's uh, guy. Um. Um. Yep. No idea. His name is Gary. Does that help? Gary. Nope. No. No. Nope. Okay. Gary Lorenz is your mayor. Huh. I actually had no idea. <laughs> Gary Lorenz. No, I know. Well, guys, this was fun. I appreciate you, you know, sitting down, taking time to do this, and uh, good luck Friday against Marquette. Thank you so much. As always, Matt. Great stuff. It's a wonderful interview with two wonderful players. Um, really love that perspective and. Very entertaining. And uh, now the Blue Jays, they segue uh, from their non-conference slate into the first weekend of Big East action. They get to host this weekend, so they're back home for two matches. Marquette comes to town, and the DePaul Blue Demons come to town. What can the Blue Jays, what can Blue Jays fans expect as this team opens up conference play? Uh, well, I mean, I, Friday I would urge everybody. I think that's a pretty marquee matchup there um, between Creighton and Marquette, and I think it's um, I think it's a fun thing that the Big East did to kind of get that one on you know the first weekend to kind of just let the juggernauts uh, swing away to start conference play because uh, Marquette and Creighton are you know I think we'll figure out what the rest of the league is made of, but I think we know already that Creighton and Marquette are going to be near the top of this conference for you know the duration so letting those two go at it right away is is going to be fun um you know they'll open it up at seven o'clock down at dj sokol arena tomorrow night or friday night i guess i don't know how to say tomorrow night or not on our podcast so Sorry. we'll just be very specific friday night 7 p.m dj sokol arena if you're listening to this on saturday you missed the match i'm sorry <laughs> um <laughs> uh yeah Use your but, flex you capacitor know. and head back in time exactly yeah marquette but they you know they Started off the season pretty strong. Their non-conference is very impressive. Um, you know, they beat USC in four sets to start the season, you know, knock it off. A, I think USC was ranked seventh in the country at that point. Um, they do have a common loss in Wichita State. Uh, they ended up getting swept down in Wichita, and obviously Creighton lost in five sets. Why is Wichita um, to the have to ruin everything? Why? Yeah, you know, they're just always there, just, you know. know. Being, ang- being angry and playing angry and stuff like that. Play angry, so. maybe. Just play angry. <laughs> yep. But, uh, you know, they swept, but they also swept Iowa State. They beat a very good Missouri State team in four sets, and they beat a very good Kentucky team in four sets in Lexington. So this Marquette team is, is uh, salty. You know, just as good as just as good as good anybody that Creighton has played in the non conference. And probably, you know, you could make an argument that they're, you know, up there with the Kansases and Kansas States, you know, and maybe not up there with Nebraska, but um, they're as good as anybody Creighton faced and will face. So, you know, uh, Taylor Lewis and Megan Neiman are 
absolute studs that Creighton's going to have to deal with tomorrow night or Friday night, excuse me. And, uh, <laughs> and uh, you know, Taylor Lewis is one of those kids who was kind of neck and neck with Jaylee Winters last year as far as breakout freshman and, you know, who was going to get that freshman of the year award. And really, I thought between those two, it was really who deserved to be player of the year. But that's another story for another day. Um, but they were the two best freshmen in the conference by a long shot. And it's going to be interesting to see them do battle again um, for the first time as sophomores. So, um, but it's going to be an issue. Great. I mean, she hits, she's averaging 4.37 kills per set. She's hitting 261. Um, she's legit. She's, I think she hit, is uh, currently ranked 20th in the country in kills per set. So Marquette uses her. She's very efficient and uh, she's going to be the one to watch um, on the other side of the net for, on Friday night. And then Sunday after DePaul travels Friday to Providence, Rhode Island for a six o'clock match, they'll be in Omaha for a one o'clock central match against the blue Jays. What do we need to know about the blue demons before they come to Omaha? Uh, the only thing I know about DePaul is that Jay Lee winters broke someone's nose for the blue demons <laughs> last year on a kill. So that's, that's the, pretty much the extent of my DePaul Blue Demons volleyball knowledge. But uh, last year they took the first two sets against Creighton, actually, interestingly enough, uh, before Creighton came back and won it in five. Um, I think right now, you know, they're, they're one of those teams to kind of keep an eye on because they look to be improved. Okay. Um, their, their metrics look pretty good. I think their RPI is currently fourth, so that is sure to plummet with the Providence match. Um, <laughs> so... They might not be 48th coming into Sunday, but they are right now. So okay. give them credit where, it, where it's due. And uh, Throw a one in front of yeah, the four be... or something? <laughs> sure, possibly. Yeah, uh, Providence is going to drag some RPIs down. Um, but it'll be an interesting match because coming off the Marquette match, that's obviously going to be the ultimate high of the weekend. And um, it'll be a test for the Blue Jays to kind of bounce back against DePaul on Sunday you know, depending on how the Marquette match turns out, um, if they lose, they'll obviously be fired up to avoid a, going 0-2 at home for the first weekend of conference play. But if they win against Marquette, they'll obviously want to avoid um, having a sour taste uh, to end the weekend by dropping one to DePaul. And, you know, if you know Kirsten Bernthal-Booth, she knows uh, she values um, how you end a weekend and how you, you know, jump into that Monday or Tuesday practice on a high note. So, the DePaul match will be really important in that regard. Okay. So that sets you up for what to expect for Blue Jays volleyball this uh, this upcoming weekend. The Friday night match, if you can't make it to Sokol Arena, it will be on the Big East Digital Network. Sunday's match, just going to be on 1180 AM here uh, in the Omaha area and probably online too. So make sure if you can't get to Sokol this weekend that you find a way to track it because now the conference plays around, this is – the Blue Jays' time to uh, to make hay and and really showcase um, that they are that best six and six team in the in the country and and really take the conference by storm. So with that, we're going to take a hard left. Um, we're going to leave <coughs> Sokol Arena. We're going to head over to the Championship Center. Matt, I know you were there this week for some men's basketball workouts, and this week kicks off what we are looking forward to as some really out-of-the-box feature stories, feature interviews with some of the men's basketball players, hopefully all the men's basketball players as we lead up to 
the 4th of November when the Blue Jays play Wayne State in their lone exhibition game of the season. And we're going to start it off with uh, the grandpa on the team, the David Ross (laughs) of the team, uh, the guy that's been around the longest and has suffered through some really difficult challenges during his time as a Blue Jay. We're talking about Isaiah Zierden, uh, Zierden back on the court for the Jays, working back from another injury, another lower body injury, and I know upper body, upper body injury. Excuse me, um, can't keep all of them straight. He's like the guy from Operation right. at this point. So does he have a <laughs> exactly. red nose? Uh, he took some time from the Isaiah Zierden Memorial. Uh, uh, recovery aquatic recovery center part of the championship center to talk to you a little <laughs> bit about just some uh some easier topics i know that you guys got into his injuries a little bit and what he's prepping for uh his final season on campus but if you want to maybe just set the stage for your conversation with him and and how that went we can get right into the interview after that yeah isaiah was in pretty good spirits you know i think he's having I think he's starting to find uh, you know, a little bit of enjoyment now as far as since his career is winding down. He's he doesn't seem uh not that he's not taking his basketball seriously, but I think he realizes uh, you know, the short time he has left and he's trying to just make sure he enjoys it as much as possible. Um, you know, in this uh you know, we talk a little bit about um his recovery from shoulder surgery and how the shoulder's feeling, how it's holding up. Um obviously one of his goals is to finish a season because, and I, you know, this isn't really something that, uh, I mean, he can joke about it, but it's something that really is a goal of his to finish a season because, um, you know, that first leg injury that he suffered at Xavier was supposed to be the end of his career. Really. That's all he heard in that recovery and that rehab. And, a, and the second one at Butler was, you know, he had pretty much all the same people that kind of were encouraging him the first time. Um, telling him that, look, it's over, you know, this thing's not going to hold up. You're not going to be able to do this. Why put yourself through it? You know, and then he continued to push himself through it, and he was almost through last year completely before he injured his shoulder. I think he hurt it against Marquette, really just trying to deflect a pass. Yeah. You know, it it wasn't one of those situations where um, it was uh, was just kind of a freak play because it wasn't a contact play or anything like that. Um. But obviously that hindered him from finishing the season again. So that's three years in a row he hasn't been able to end the year on his own terms. So that's one of his big goals. Um, and obviously with practice starting next Friday, first official practice, he's kind of just, uh, you know, he's gearing up. It talks about that he's kind of just ready for the scrimmage because he knows that's really the first time they get to show off what they got. But um, he's approaching it like a veteran. Um and uh, we talk a little bit about kind of what it takes for him to get ready to play. Um, you know, he just runs through a typical game day as far as getting his body ready and then getting it recovered and um, ready for the next day's practice and that sort of thing. So I think it's a pretty interesting interview. Uh, not to toot my own horn or anything like that, but uh, ahead, Isaiah, is a pretty, <laughs> Isaiah is a pretty intellectual guy. You know, he analyzes the game. Um, you know, he studies the game. He's very smart, so I think people will people will appreciate his uh, his insight. Okay, so without further ado, we'll go ahead and start this interview. Matt DeMarina is speaking to Isaiah Zierden before men's basketball gets started here in earnest in a couple of weeks. 
right as I told you not to curse. How many more injuries your Vikings going to sustain before how many can they handle? You know, I just one of those things. I guess you know you, you just accept it being a Vikings fan. Yeah. Something's always going to go wrong. Um, I mean, injuries have been a big part of it, but um, you know, hopefully that. That means the next man up. Um, kind of like with our Creighton team, it's always been the next man up, so hopefully uh, we can keep it rolling. Now, see, I have friends who are diehard Vikings fans their whole lives, and they're, they're convinced now that this team is officially cursed. Because whenever it seems like they're the team that's supposed to do it this year, something like this happens. Do you Are you in that boat, too? I mean, I guess. I, I mean, I, I wouldn't say that... I, I, not necessarily yet would I say we're cursed, but I'd say we're, we're heading down that road. I mean, a few more things happen in the next few years, I'd be like, all right, we're cursed. Yeah. But uh, right now, I think it's just been a string of bad luck. It's fair enough. You're keeping a level head about it. Yeah, I mean, it, being, being an athlete, you just kind of try not to look so negative on it. I mean, you understand that it is, it's really unfortunate, especially when it's, you know, your two star players, you know, Teddy and, and AP. Right. you got other injuries coming down, but... I mean, that's just kind of how sports is. Now, speaking of injuries, not something you yourself are a, a rookie at dealing yeah. with. How is the shoulder doing? And uh, I guess how do you feel now with practice a week away? Uh, you know, I feel really good. I'm uh, I'm excited. You know, I mean, anytime you come back from an injury, you're looking forward to, to the start of practice. Um, but everything feels good. Um, you know, I saw the doc a couple weeks ago. He said everything looks great, feels great. So. Uh, I'm really excited. I'm happy with it. Now, what's uh, I guess what's these workouts been like? Do you feel that you guys are kind of tired of this stuff now, and you're ready to get into the team stuff, or I guess where are you mentally as far as you know, looking forward to what you're gonna face now in a week? You know, uh, it's kind of funny being being here for five years. I already kind of know a little bit of what to expect. I'm almost ahead of you know some of the, the younger guys I'm already looking forward to the to the scrimmage but I know that the practices are necessary so um, it'll it'll be a grind but it, it'll be good um, you know, to start to put in some of our offense and our defensive principles which we've already kind of started in the workouts but now we'll just kind of ramp that up it'll be it'll be exciting and fun what is what's the most challenging part of starting that out is it is it implementing all the sets and getting everybody on the same page or is it dealing with the daily grind of having practices in the middle of class and that sort of thing? Or what's the most challenging part of that I'd first say, week? I'd say it's it's the, the grind part of, you know, having it be, you know, part of your day and you know you might have we might have practice from, you know, two to five and then all of a sudden you, know, you had class until you know, 1 30, 1 15, all of a sudden now you got to run over here, practice for three hours, and then go to a night class. Um, and then I, I think, along with that, I think that bringing everybody together and everybody starting to understand how we want to play offensively and defensively is also the next biggest challenge. You're in a unique position given that you were recruited when Creighton was in the Valley. And you kind of had an idea of what you were going to face competition wise. You spent your whole playing career in the Big East. Mm -hmm. I guess, how was dealing with that shock? How long did it take to kind of get accustomed to that? Because obviously there's different right. styles of play. Right. And then how do you, I guess, how has that changed you as a player now going into this fourth season? Uh, you know, 
It's been a little bit of a roller coaster playing for um, you know Howard Poley. It was in the Nike EYBL circuit, so I faced a, a bunch of guys that were going to you know ACC teams, you know Big East teams, uh, Big Twelve, uh, a bunch of top level guys. Um, so then I went here and tried to had to or kind of had to prepare for you know what the what the valley would be like. Um, a lot of intelligent players, uh, a lot of defensive schemes. You know, kind of back to the big. Now where there's a lot more athleticism and guys' uh, wingspans are longer, and so it's been been different. But um, you know, I think after the first year, I kind of adjusted. Now, hopefully, this year I won't have an injury because um, I'm looking forward to, to obviously as a team winning a lot of games. And then you know, personal goal is I want to get back in high school. I shot 50% from the three consistently, so that's what I want to do this year for the for the biggest. I guess you touched on it a little bit there, but not to put you down or anything, but being that you face a lot of athleticism day in, day out, how much value have you found in the, the mental part of the game, the intellectual part of the game, as far as studying film, knowing where players are going to be on the floor, and kind of knowing your opponent before they come? It's a, it's a big, big deal. Um, if you, the more you can know being, you know, I'm, I'm unathletic compared to most of the guys in the Big East, so what I have to do is study all the film and every place so that I know where they're going to be, what kind of play they're going to run, and what situations, and, and how I can read it. Because I'm obviously not going to be the quickest guy to, to you know, run from on ball to the weak side. But if I know that you know, what they do is they swing it and then they run into a bigger roll, I can be in position and that type of thing. But, um, you know, going against it in practice every day, it's it's helped me to learn you know the little ins and outs and the tricks that I can do to get away with not being as athletic and find ways to, to still get it done. I'm sure one of the goals that you have personally that probably doesn't get talked about as much is I guess when people would look back on it, you haven't actually finished a season in the last three years because of injuries. How, how much is that in your mind? How focused are you on just, you know what, I just want to finish the season healthy and you know, at my best when it matters. Yeah, um, I mean, it's obviously very important to me. Uh, I, I thought I was going to get through it last year, yeah. and of course it ended up not, not being able to, but um, it's kind of just how it goes. Uh, I know that, that there's a plan in everything, and I, I feel like this is, this will be the year that I uh, finally get a full season, and I'll be happy about it. Lord willing. Uh, I guess take me through a normal day with you, because obviously there's a lot of wear and tear that you've been through now. Mm -hmm. Take me through a typical game day as far as getting yourself, getting your body ready to perform when the game starts, and then getting it uh, rehabbed after the game and kind of just recovering. What's the typical day, a typical game day like for you in that regard? Um, well, we norm I normally have a couple classes in the morning, so I'll, I'll go to those. Um, I got some time before shoot around. Uh, I'll go and probably. Uh, I don't ice tub normally before. I'll normally heat up the, the knee and probably this year the shoulder, just get everything loose. I do shoot around, I'll stick around for a little bit, shoot, eat, and then I'll relax and start doing some some different types of, you know, with the knee, I'll try to, you know, have some compression on it, get some of the swelling out. And, but then after the game, uh, it's just a lot of icing. Um, we got a couple game readies that they give to us. We also got a Norma Tech last year and that helped a lot. So pretty much it's just nonstop compression and icing. But you talked in the past and it's not easy, but it's also not something you take for granted. You're, you consider each each possession you get to finish out upright. 
a blessing. Yeah, absolutely a blessing. Um, you know, even like days you, you don't, I don't shoot it well. I, I might not play well. I know at the end of the day, it's like you know what? I'm frustrated with myself. I got to be better tomorrow. But hey, you know what? I got one more day. I, I got to play today, so I can't. I can't be upset. Every every day that I get now, it's it's a different mindset. Obviously, I've been here for for five years, and you know, for young kids, injuries don't happen. Um, but being through it. You look at it, and it's like, all right, I've come, I've come this this far. I've, you know, it's helped me mature. It's helped me um, get mentally tougher and physically stronger. And but every day, I just go home and thank God for another day and pray for another one tomorrow. So now, what are you gonna do during the season as far as watching NBA wise? Because I know you're a huge Kobe fan. Mm -hmm. Those days are officially over. Yeah. I guess first of all, what was it like watching the 60-point finale? Because that seemed like that was almost destined to happen. It was, you know, it was one of those things. It was, it was like it was planned. You, right. you can't, you can't, you probably couldn't put together another like you couldn't script a Kobe ending better than that. Um, so I was, I was actually watching it. We had some guys in the room, and I was jumping around celebrating. I was, I'm, I'm like, I was almost tearing up, but at the same time, I was just so happy for him because I've grown up watching him, loving him, and so um, this year. I don't know. I, you know, I love. The, I, I love individual guys. I love you know Steph. I love uh, love Damian Lillard. I think he's really underrated. And, and obviously, I love guys like Kyle Korver and JJ Redick. Um, so I'll, I'll probably watch certain teams here and there. But uh, I don't know if I'll watch just like a, a specific player all the time. But you're like still gonna go to YouTube and look up Kobe. Yeah, I still I still do. I still go to bed before you know before I go to bed. I'll still watch Kobe and, and his 81 point game and how ridiculous it was. But yeah. Because, like, after NBA, every, every NBA Finals, I'll go back, you know, I'll listen to the LeBron is the greatest thing ever, and I'll go back. I have all of the Bulls pretty much title run on yeah. my computer, so I'll go back and watch that. I'm like, look, that's how it was. Yeah. So that's going to be you. You're watching Steph do his thing, and yep. you'll hear the superlatives. You're like, yeah. let me go back and, and watch And Kobe that's the, the great thing. I still, I'm a huge, obviously, I'm a huge Kobe fan, but I, I love Jordan, too, because, I mean, he was, he was obviously the greatest of all time, so. I, I will watch Jordan highlights and I'll watch him and I'll be like, man, I, I didn't realize he was going down the lane dunking on people like that. Or, you know, I didn't realize he was hitting shots like that. And, you know, it's just kind of funny looking back. You know, people don't realize it. But that'll be how it is, you know, in another eight years when Kobe is kind of done and everyone looks back. It's like, man, I didn't realize he was yeah, doing that. You have to remind people. Yeah, you got to watch the video and remind them. Isaiah, thanks for sitting down. Appreciate it. Hope you can stay healthy and uh, good luck for this. This first week of practice. I appreciate it. Thank you. Thanks a lot. Great stuff, Matt. Wonderful to hear from Isaiah. Really uh, interesting interview, and can't wait. Uh, I think you, know, you had mentioned uh, off the air that you have a lot more of those types of interviews planned as we lead up to the season. Talk a little bit about uh, kind of your perspective on what you want to do there. Well, I just think you know we hear we talk a lot about you know, the wins and losses of each program and kind of where they're going, what their expectations are, how this player is performing, yada, yada, yada. And, you know, and I think we just, we kind of just almost forget to have a little fun with it. We forget that they're, you know, they're, they're teenagers for two years that they're here and then they're young adults for the rest of them. And, you know, they're student athletes and they put in a lot of time in the classroom and working when the lights aren't on. And I just think it's, uh, something I kind of want to explore a little bit and see how people respond to it as far as letting the athletes open up a little bit in these interviews and let them have a little fun. 
um, just kind of have loose conversations and not always talk about, you know, and just kind of just just to kind of decrease the how important we consider, you know, all these games and everything like that, just to just to kind of let their personality stand out a little bit. So, you know, we'll see how it goes. We'll see if people respond to it. I think it's a lot of fun. Um, I know the athletes have, you know, the Jaylee, Megan had fun with their Ankeny interview. Um, and, uh, you know, Isaiah and I were going back and forth. So I think it's going to be, you know, it's something that's, that's worth listening to, but we'll see how people respond to it. Cool. And it, everybody has questions that they want you to put in front of these players. They can send them uh, social through Twitter, hit us up on the site, anything. And we'll, uh, we'll take those into consideration and, and Matt will, Matt will work them in if he finds the chance. Um, Absolutely. Speaking of finding chances, I know we haven't yet had a chance to hear from Coach Ross Pauly from the Creighton women's soccer team, but you were able to track him down this week while you were down on campus, and and, uh, we're really excited to have your interview with him on the show tonight. Uh, Maybe for anybody that hasn't really been following the women's soccer program so far this season, uh, the first thing you need to know is just the sheer number of newcomers that are getting their feet wet under Coach Polly right now and um, and that they've been involved in some really close matches so far this season. I know you've been watching them very closely, Matt. Um, maybe before we get into your interview with Coach Polly, kind of what's the state of Creighton women's soccer right now in uh, 2016? Um, you know, I think they're on a pretty good path right now. I think they're showing a lot of improvement. I think the young players that they brought in, um, I'm probably, I think if there's one big surprise, I'm probably surprised at how, um, ready they were to make an impact day one. You know, I think when you bring in a large freshman class, you're expecting some kind of transitional struggles there as far as getting them accustomed to what, um, the division one level is like and, um, I'm not seeing any of that. I'm kind of, you know, I, obviously it's there, but they look like they're impact players for the most part, which is pretty impressive. Um, when you look at a kid like Jalen Bosak, who's uh, been starting at center back next to senior three-time team captain Emily Roll, um, and kind of the contrast in experience there, and she's kind of not missed a beat. Um, and then you look at a kid like Taryn Jacobowski, you know, who plays uh, – she's kind of that um, – I guess if we can relate it, she's kind of like in the Lucas Stauffer, Noah Frankie role. She's on the wing. She gets, you know, to initiate, um, you know, the offense from the outside. She's a really good playmaker, a hard worker. Um, you know, on defense, she's good at winning the ball back, good at keeping it. And then she's good at kind of creating um, scoring chances in the middle of the field when she gets those runs down the, down the outside. Uh, and then you got Mackenzie Miola, true freshman goalkeeper, who's, you know, she's already won a freshman of the week award, and so is Jacobowski. Um, so I think, you know, you see all these young players, and they're making a pretty big impact on the team right away. And Creighton's currently sitting at 5 1 and 2. Um, I think their RPI, the first official RPI was released this weekend, and uh, Creighton comes in at 78th, which is, you know, Going into Big East play, that's pretty. That's something you really want because the conference is going to inflate that because it is a strong soccer conference. You know, you have Georgetown team who's picking off top five teams left and right. Mm-hmm. Um, that 
Creighton gets to play on the last day of the season. Uh, you have a Marquette team who uh, is 500 right now, but their RPI is 44th because they always play a strong schedule. They're always a good side, and Creighton's going to open up the conference play with them. So you look at the bookend, the bookends on the conference schedule, and you look at what Creighton has to deal with. They're going to get a chance here in year two of Ross Pauley to, um, I think, surprise some people, and they're going to get a chance to maybe play their way into an NCAA tournament bid um, if they can continue to perform at the level that they are and you know continue to improve and raise their game even in Big East play. So um, I think uh, it's very interesting what Creighton, the, the current position that Creighton women's soccer finds himself in. And you had a chance to talk to Coach Polly. We're going to go ahead and listen to that interview now, and then when we come back, we'll uh, get folks set up for um, their upcoming schedule, a couple slates, which includes a home match this weekend. So, Ross, thanks for sitting down with us again. Um, coming off um, a pretty productive weekend, I know the Rhode Island match didn't end up end up ending up, but you got the win at Yale. I guess first talk about the Rhode Island match because that's kind of unusual. I guess, how was that match going up until, you know, the power went out? Uh, I mean, I think we started the match very well. Uh, defensive shape was excellent from the start, and uh, we were actually attacking very well and ended up scoring a great goal uh, from uh, Kate, putting a great ball into the box, and Sully just rising up above everybody and, and putting it in the back of the net with force with her head. And uh, it was just a, it was really an all-around great team goal. And we kept on playing, kept on putting pressure on them, looked like we were, we were threatening to score again, and all of a sudden the lights go out. <laughs> and I immediately just go, all right, what's going on? We're on top of this team. And, uh, but... Probably about 10 seconds later, a big explosion behind us. You guys and, heard it? Yeah. yeah. And so we're like, okay, so <laughs> something happened here. And comes to being about 9.30 at night, and we've realized we're not going to be able to play. We try to push to play the next day. And uh, they couldn't find referees for us at the time that we needed to play at 1 o'clock. Mm -hmm. And... Uh, so the game was canceled, which is disappointing. Very sure. disappointing because we go, first of all, we go that far to play against a, a, a team we've never played against, and uh, we're excited to play and uh, didn't get to play. So we took that energy and all of our mentality going into the Yale game over the weekend and prepared ourselves for it and showed up ready to play, and they did. So, I guess, how dark was it when the power went out of Rhode Island? Was it was dark. It was dark. Like there was no chance whatsoever that anybody could play a safe game. Oh, no chance. Yeah, yeah. It was pitch black. Okay. And it, when the lights went out, it was hard to see everybody. So, uh, and it got darker mm -hmm. quickly. Sure. And uh, it was it was disappointing because we still thought we were going to be able to play. So it was kind of an up and down mm -hmm. thing. It's hard to deal with when, as a player, when you're warm, you're ready to go, you're on a high, you score a goal, and keep playing well. Because it came like 30 minutes in, right? Yeah, so 30 minutes. You guys were just kind of getting your legs really yeah. warmed up, yeah. right? Yeah, that's correct. Uh, but the positive thing is, is they responded very well. Uh, from playing very good for, for 30 minutes, uh, or for about 20, it was between 20 and 30 minutes. I don't mm -hmm. know, remember exactly when it was, but um, they continue to push themselves and they continue to uh, know that we can get much better at a lot of things that we're doing, at everything that we're doing, and that's what's great about this group. Is. 
Oh, oh that's what great. We were just pushing ourselves. How did the Yale match go? It looked like, you know. Text and call if you need something. Obviously, uh, a lot of offense, but I mean, it looked like you guys fell behind and kind of answered. Yeah, you know, again, in a big way to close the match. Again, we uh, make things hard on ourselves. We uh, scored a, a very good goal to start out and um, gave away two pretty soft goals. You know, they're they're goals that can that can happen at any time. But again, we can we can uh, do better on those those opportunities, not to give away those chances that we gave away on on a, we gave away a silly corner. Uh, and they end up scoring on a rebound on the corner, and then the other one is just our, our tracking wasn't uh, wasn't as good as it can be. And uh, there are things that we do very well defensively most of the time, but we had a, a few lapses there, and you know you go down. Yeah, uh, it's it's difficult, uh, but it's uh, uh, something where our team responds very well, um, and they've. They've done that the whole season to where when we go down or get uh, get a, a tying goal against us that we all of a sudden have that urgency. And again, we need to push away from that and not allow that opportunity to come and do it before. I know you, you know, we're, we're a few matches into the season where it's not, you know, into a small sample size territory where we can start to analyze some things. And I know you hate the fact that those lapses happen and that they have fallen behind. Um, in matches where it looks like they should be ahead, maybe two goals or three. But is there some value to the fact that, you know, despite the fact that they will fall behind, that they seem to, in those situations, have fought back almost immediately, that it's kind of sparked them in that regard? Is there some – do you like to see that out of them? or would, I mean, obviously you prefer perfection, but – Right, absolutely. We have a, a team full of uh, very good, hardworking – prideful uh, girls that just want to succeed together mm-hmm. and that it's almost like we as a team the the mentality is is we're not going to go down without a fight and um, that's the way we we play we play at our best when we're under pressure and it's a good thing because we're every game becomes more and more pressure and uh, we don't need to change what we're doing just because we're going into conference. We need to just continue to strive to get better as a team together. And, uh, and that, that's the mentality that we have. We've talked a lot about Lauren Sullivan. Obviously, she's your, you know, she's your go-to. She's your leader up there. But um, what kind of level is she playing at right now? And she seems to be kind of the driving force for everything you guys have done offensively over the last few weeks. Uh, and that's going to continue. That's going to continue. I, I believe she has much more in her. Mm-hmm. Uh, she's uh, to me, she's getting better as the season goes, and uh, I think she's another player that gets better with more pressure. And uh, like I said, every game that we play, uh, we are improving, and she's a huge part of it. Just from her mentality of never giving up, always fighting, uh, looking to always be a difference maker on the attacking side, and on top of that. The defensive side, the defensive work that she does mm-hmm. is impressive. To it's win impressive the ball back and to like win that. the ball back, put in the hard tackle, and start leading the team from that aspect. It's it's uh, it's something that we follow behind her, and, and everybody, honestly, has, has bought into that. Do you think, for from her perspective, and you, know, you don't have to get into conversations you've had with her, but do you sense a determination in her that she understands this is her last go-around and that 
you know, the high expectations she came into Creighton with haven't been met yet, and she kind of has just this drive to make sure this last year goes according to her plan. Yeah, I do think so. I think she she realizes that she has a lot more to give, and I think she's putting in the effort and training and everything that she's done in from the time I've gotten here is, is her working hard, uh, trying to uh, be her best, and I'm trying to get the best out of her all the time. And I see very, very uh, high potential with her, and she's starting to get to the level where I think that she can play at and continue to push that. Do you feel like she's she belongs in the class of, you know, all the good strikers that are in the Big East right now? Obviously, you know, Corbos and the dailies and of the past have been, yeah. you know, really high-level players, very consistent. But do you think she she's in that class because she hasn't really cracked that that first-team list yet? Right. But. I think she's definitely moving towards that. And in my eyes, yes, she is in that in that class. And I think she'll open a lot of eyes, if, especially if she continues on the path that she's on. And, and she'll, she'll be looked at as in that class by the end of the year, I believe. Now, Sunday's a pretty big match. Marquette has always been, you know, since you guys have joined the Big East, they've kind of been your your barometer for where Creighton is going to be, you know, whether they compete with the top half of the league or whether they're going to be fighting the bottom half of the league to get into the top six to qualify for the tournament. Although this is coming in the middle of the year and you're going to have a lot more opportunities afterwards, how big of a match is this one on Sunday? Well, it's huge. Uh, to me, every single Big East match is huge. Uh, and this is the first one, and we're going to take it game by game, and Marquette just happens to be that very first game. Uh, I, I think we're taking this game as – we are taking this game as the most important game that we have uh, in the Big East. And after this game, we'll look at what we did, and we'll, we'll move on to – whoever's next to Paul, and we'll do the same thing again. That's what's great about this group is uh, we don't fear anybody. We believe that we can compete, and we're going to do everything possible to compete and try to get a result, and we'll deal with how what happens after the game and, and move forward with it. And I do believe this group uh, can compete at a, at a high level, and uh, I think they're believing in this themselves, and I don't think we're uh, arrogant in any way. We just we know what we have, and we know who we are, and we're going to try to get the best out of ourselves and try to get a result every game. I guess Marquette is the team that you know. You look at the record; they're four, four, and two. I guess you know that doesn't jump out at you, but you know they were kind of under fire against Stanford, who's you know one of the best teams in the country, but. You know, they, they get a result against Santa Clara. They played Northwestern tight. What have you seen out of them uh, on film and, you know, in their non-conference that you think is going to challenge you on Sunday? I think they're just an all-around excellent team. You know, they're, they're a team that's going to challenge us in every aspect of the game, and we're going to have to be on uh, the whole game from our effort, from our defensive shape, from our ball movement uh, to uh, us uh, really creating the chances and putting the chances away. Uh, they're a talented team. And we know that, and uh, definitely respect them. They've played a very tough schedule. Uh, their record isn't as good as ours, but that uh, has a lot to do with them playing a very tough schedule, and that's that's uh, something to be looked at because they're they're a dangerous team that will hurt you if you don't do what uh, uh, we need to do to get the result. And uh, so. Uh, 
definitely respect them in every aspect of the game, and we're going to put our best forward against them. Want to get your thoughts on Georgetown a little bit? They're really on a roll, just picking off top five teams left and right. What I mean, I think everybody coming in to the season thought Georgetown was the favorite in the league, but are they almost better than people expected? Are they surprising people with the way they're knocking off these teams? Um, it's uh, they're they're a very good team. Yeah, they have good players all over the field, and they have special players all over the field that uh, are. Uh, some of the best players in the country, obviously, and uh, it's great for the Big East. Uh, it's great for uh, Georgetown to go out there and knock off some of the top teams in the country. And uh, I think everybody else in the Big East saw the, how good they were going to be, and uh, and they're doing it, and that's a, a great thing. It's something that. Uh, we look forward to, to competing. Because you're going to get them in your home finale yeah, That's right. at the end of the year. Right. So it's, uh, I hope they continue on the same path that sure. they're on, you know, to where they're, they are the best in the country. And I hope that we get to play them when they're the best in the country. Mm-hmm. And uh, we want to play teams like that. And it's, uh, it's congratulations to them so far. So I hope they continue on it. Sure. Uh, now, I guess the first, uh, it's really released the first official RPI. Um, you guys come in at 78th, which is, you know, close to that number that gets you into at-large consideration if you can, and certainly if you can put together a good Big East mm-hmm. performance that'll only help it with right. the teams that are in this league. When you first saw that number, I guess, what were your reaction and did it kind of, from your players, did you see that kind of, uh, you know, an excitement out of them that they're closer to their goals than maybe they thought they realized at this point in the season? Um... Yeah, I, I think it is. Uh, it's a positive for sure. It's uh, anytime you see progress like that, mm-hmm. moving towards competing in the NCAA tournament, that's where we want to be. Mm-hmm. We want to compete for championships in the Big East, and that's where we want to be. We're making progress there. We don't think we're anywhere yet. Mm-hmm. Uh, we have a we have a long way to go. We have to com- we have to go out there and really compete against the the Big East teams and compete in the tournament. And those are goals that we have. Those are goals that we think we can achieve, and we're going to do everything possible for that. But uh, we're always uh, measuring where we are right now. It's great to look at an RPI right now, but uh, we want to we want to push further beyond that. We know uh, we can improve in, in so many aspects, which in turn will continue to creep us up up the, to the top where we need to be. So a nice number, but it's just decoration for you. Correct. Yeah. 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 Ross, thanks for the time. Good luck on Sunday. I know it's a big match. Great to hear from Coach Polly on the show. I'm sure we'll be able to hear from him more as the season progresses, Matt. So thanks a lot for catching up with him. And let's, uh, you know, we'd be remiss if we didn't talk real quick about their neighbors, or not neighbors, their, their co-residents at Morrison Stadium, men's soccer team. Uh, I know you and I were both at the match this week against Denver, nationally ranked top 10 Denver. Uh, the Pioneers came to Omaha and left with a 0-0 draw. I know you had a chance to talk to Coach Bolovich and Keeper Alex Cap about the match and or after the match. Um, maybe give us a little bit of your perspective, your take. I know you covered the game and uh, mm-hmm. what what you took away from the visitors' trip here uh, in what was a pretty evenly contested match. Yeah, well uh... – I think if you look at both halves, it was kind of a tale of, you know, you kind of can split it in half and see which team um, kind of controlled the play. 
for the first 20 minutes of each half, it looked like Creighton was really doing a good job of controlling possession and getting into the attacking third and um, I, I guess putting a lot of pressure on Denver. But, you know, the thing I was most impressed, impressed with other than Alex Cap's flexibility was, uh, you know, the way Denver just – they were so organized in the back – um, which is interesting because I didn't think they were very sharp in the midfield. I thought Creighton really had, um, really had the run of what they wanted to do um, in the middle of the field. And you know, feel free to disagree, but uh, it just looked like you know, like the Lucas Stoffers and Noah Frankies and Ricardo Perez's. They kind of had a lot of space to, um, you know, make something happen. Uh, there were certain points in the match where um, they they kind of looked too patient at times and didn't really. Um, you know, push the tempo to kind of create something. But uh, once they got into that uh, eighteen-yard box, um, Denver was very stout. You know, they're they're they were very organized. They stayed together. Um, you know, their gaps weren't very big, weren't big enough to get through balls in, or weren't big enough to make runs to get through balls in. And uh, you know, they kind of just. I'd say they were a bend but don't break, but really they they kind of controlled the the defensive third. They they controlled that box pretty well. Um, I think Creighton hit a few posts, but I know Stauffer hit one, and Miles Inglis almost had uh you know almost been a shot in far posts. I think from the right flank in the first half, but other than that, Creighton's chances weren't um you know they were kind of few and far between. And then you know towards the second part of the second half. In first half, Denver really put it on, really put a lot of pressure on Creighton's back line, um, which is, you know, an inexperienced group when you look at, um, you know, Akeem Ward and Julius Four on the wings and they're newcomers. And then you look at Peter Prescott and Mitch LeGrow in the middle, they're both sophomores. So, you know, standing in front of, you know, senior goalkeeper Alex Cap is a little bit of an inexperienced group and it kind of showed a little bit because Denver was able to create some chances, especially late in the second half to really put some pressure on Creighton. But, but cap was phenomenal. I, he made two saves, one in the 75th minute and one in the, I think 80th minute. So not too very far apart that I don't think, I think they're as good as saves as you'll see hmm. because, you know, the first one was off a corner kick in the 75th minute, and, uh, you know, Denver kind of got control of the thing, you know, right in the middle of, just right at the edge of that six-yard box. And there was a lot of traffic in front of Cap. I don't know how he saw this ball. Um, you know, it was fired low. It was, you know, near post. And, I, I mean, he, even after the match... He said he just saw it at the last second. Saw it with just enough time to react to it, and he reacted quick, got his right foot on it to deflect it away. Um, but that's a goal 99.9% of the time, and especially from a high-level team like Denver. Mm-hmm. I mean, when you're talking about top 10 teams, top 10 teams put those things away. That was just a golden opportunity that Cap snuffed. And uh, then five minutes later, uh, they play a great through ball through Creighton's back line. And it's a one-on-one, and Cap's the only one in between a sure goal from, I can't remember who had it, for Denver, I can't remember the kid's name, but, um, you know, Cap just kind of, I mean, as aggressive as he's always been all season, you've seen him come off the line all year um, and be very aggressive on set pieces, be very aggressive on those runs, those through balls, and it was no different this time, even with a 1v1. 
And he kind of closed the window a little bit to where the shot, there wasn't really much of a shot left, but there was still enough to score. And, you know, this time he gets his left foot on it, and they couldn't have been more than, you know, two feet apart from each other when the shot was fired. So to have those quicker reflexes, I don't think you're going to see many goalkeepers, even the best in the world, make saves that at that level at that point in the game, you know, in those situations. It was incredible. He probably had read your feature article about him so many times that he just felt he had superhuman strength and was is it's, so amazing that uh, it just instilled in him this desire to win and perform well that uh, that he found and protected the goal. I mean, I, I joke, but your your feature on him you know what? was but great. But hang on a second. But hold on, because you joke, but, but I've written now two features <laughs> – Two features about Creighton men's soccer players. One about Alex Cat before he played Denver and tied the stadium record for saves and all that stuff by a Creighton player and made those two crazy saves. Yeah. And then the other time was just a random checkup on Ricky Lopez Espin to see how he's recovering from the knee surgery last year before he goes on to score the game-winning goal against Drake. So there may be something to this. You're not saying. Uh, you're just saying. I'm just saying. He's just saying. <laughs> just saying. Well, it's a small sample size, and I probably just jinxed it now, but I'm just saying. So, for all you men's soccer players listening to the podcast or family members of the of the team, get your requests in to speak with Matt DeMoranis as soon as possible, because <laughs> career-changing opportunities will come to you when he pens a story about you for whiteandbluereview.com. That's the big takeaway here tonight. Um, I feel like that's a good way to um, kind of segue into what the Blue Jays have in front of them and who's going to, you know, have a big showing for them this weekend when they head to Chicago. The Blue Jays are at the Blue Demons. Um, you've heard us say that. It's kind of weird this weekend. Like, it's all DePaul and Marquette this weekend for yep. volleyball, yep. men's soccer, women's soccer. Uh, volleyball kicks things off. Sorry, this is like our, our, our kind of uh, shoddy intro into the What's on Tap feature that we always run <laughs> at the end of the show. Um, so, yeah, blah, 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 What's on Tap. But for What's on Tap, it's DePaul and Marquette seemingly all day, every day, all weekend this weekend. Um, starts with whip, uh, with volleyball Friday night, Marquette, Sokol Arena, matchup of two of the best teams in the Big East. Matt, you talked about it about it already on the show tonight, but if anybody has a chance to get down there, should be very entertaining, highly competitive match at Sokol. Then Saturday, 1 o'clock, Chicago, the Blue Jays soccer team, men's soccer team will be at DePaul. The Blue Jays beat DePaul last year 1-0. Uh, DePaul 0-1 in the Big East so far. They lost a one nothing match to Xavier last weekend in the Big East opener for both schools. Elmar taking the boys to Chicago uh, for a Saturday match. Uh, I know you talked to Elmar a little bit after the game against Denver. Did he talk at all, Matt, about uh, the match in Chicago, or was he just pretty much giving yeah. you his perspective? Tell us a little bit about what he's expecting from his guys this weekend. Um, well, I think he I think he knows that DePaul's an improved side this year. Um, he mentioned that uh, you know they kind of hit the recruiting trail in the foreign in the foreign parts of the world and brought in a couple Germans and a couple international players that, um, that he thinks are going to be pretty good players. Um, and you know, he's got an eye for talent internationally. So I trust that 
uh, take on that one. Um, so I think, you know, DePaul, I think they're 5-2-2 two and two overall. Uh, the one nothing loss to Xavier isn't – I mean, Xavier's a pretty good side, and, you know, they be, obviously they beat number one Creighton last year, so um, they handed Creighton their first loss. So you know Xavier's a tough team. Um, so losing one nothing on the road to them is, you know, by no means alarming. And, uh, you know, they have a 1-1 draw at UNO, and, you know, Creighton drew with UNO. So uh, I think it's going to be a little bit um, – you know, more of a competitive match and a closer match than, you know, you might think of a Creighton-DePaul men's soccer match. Uh, obviously, Creighton's the favorite. They should win. But, you know, how soccer goes. So, um, I think it's I think they know it's going to be a tough test. So, cool. we'll see what happens. So, then, uh, Sunday, two teams in action. Volleyball back at it. They host DePaul, 1 o'clock, Sokol Arena, and... Ross Pauley's women's soccer team hosts Marquette, 1 o'clock, same time as the volleyball match over at Morrison Stadium. So uh, that's what's on tap for Blue Jays Athletics this weekend. Uh, make sure if you can get down to the hilltop to catch any of it or all of it live. And if not, don't be a fool. Just follow it on Twitter, follow it on live on Stat Broadcast. Watch it on Big East Digital Network where you can listen to it. Just support the Jays because, um, as you heard from the interviews tonight with Jaylee and Megan and Isaiah, uh, these are kids, and um, they really they really do appreciate the support. They notice when arenas and stadiums and stands are busy, and they work hard both in the classroom and in their given sports to uh, to put on a good representation of the Blue Jays. So. The least you can do is shell out a couple bucks for for a ticket and take the kids, <laughs> enjoy a good time, um, get off the couch and uh, and go out and see the Blue Jays in action. So, Matt, anything else you want to add tonight? I know we're going pretty long this evening, but it's it's been great talking to you after a week away. Um, mm-hmm. And obviously, all of your interviews this week were super as usual. Anything kind of you're looking forward to anything top of mind for you as a Jays fan and as someone covering these programs? Oh, don't call me that. I don't like that. Uh, <laughs> I try to be impartial, even though I come from Jays roots. So, sure. um, you do yeah, a good job. You do for... a good job of being impartial. Thanks. I appreciate it. I, I appreciate it. Uh, just to riff off that a little bit. So Vin Scully, uh, will be calling his last Dodgers game. This week, I think, maybe next, I don't know, whatever, it's podcast <clears throat> land, so this season will be his last for the Dodgers. He's not going to call postseason games, and he was on uh, NPR a couple nights ago, and um, somebody asked him about, you know, how long he had been a Dodgers fan, and he said, oh, I'm not a fan, you know, I just, I try to call the game you know, as close as possible and, and to the action. And I think about all the, the announcers that I grew up listening to and watching. And as a fan, you associate those announcers and those the media following them as fans. And, and you just assume mm-hmm. that, you know, they bleed the same the same team's color that you bleed or, or whatever. But the best of them, like you said, they, they might have a, a soft spot in their heart for them somewhere, shape or form. But when they right. go to cover the sport, it's uh, it's business, and and to hear somebody like Vin Scully, who I mean, you can't associate him with anything else other than Dodgers baseball, um, to say that I thought you know at his at the pinnacle of his career, just to say that was wonderful. So you're in good company yeah, by, sure. by keeping your focus. I've learned from 
the best all around sports that that's kind of the way to do it. So that's what I try to do. But, uh, you know, I just want to thank you for having me on. Obviously I enjoy, um, our conversations and I enjoy kind of bringing these, um, you know, these interviews to this podcast and, you know, obviously I have a soft spot for white and blue review and, um, you know, I enjoy the show and kind of the maturation we've had, you know, this is our first year doing it. So, um, it's been a lot of fun so far and I just want to thank all the listeners, uh, you know, for kind of just hanging in there while we get through the, the clunky parts of it and, uh, while we find our ground and, uh, you know, yeah, more I mean, to come. You mentioned tooting your own horn earlier. I feel like we're getting there and I, you know, it's like, let's be honest, everybody, um, is building up. I mean, the, 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 the school the seasons they all snowball they start to kind of coalesce there in november when soccer's still happening volleyball's really hitting its peak and basketball on both sides is starting to starting to come around i mean it's just a magical time so i feel like um you know whatever we can do to kind of set the groundwork here on our end and get folks Mm -hmm. get listeners involved engaged just knowing that you know late october early november the floodgates are going to open here and we're we're going to try to bring you um, even more of the type of interviews, the type of coverage uh, that you've come to expect from white and blue review and this podcast. We're just going to do it and, and keep doing it. And, and we love all your suggestions. We, we did get some questions today. We put a a call out on Twitter, but none of them were super timely. So we might go ahead and keep some of those for next week, kind of bank some of those. Uh, But if you have anything else uh, listeners that you want to, to ask us or, that you want us to answer, or that you want anybody that Matt is uh, is seeking out uh, to answer. Mm-hmm. If you have ideas for who you want to hear interviews from, um, go ahead and send them our way. Again, you can contact us any way, shape, or form. Uh, just make whiteandbluereview.com your home to get in touch with us and to cover Blue Jays sports. And and uh, that's really all I've got this week, Matt. Yeah, this, I mean this is this is our time, but it's your show. Yeah. Uh, we know Creighton fans are out there we know they want coverage of these teams we get feedback um you know throughout the years on what we've done so far so you know let your voices be heard and we'll we'll make sure to listen and with that we're going to go ahead and wrap up this podcast this episode six of blue jays bites for matt demarinas i'm brian tot really appreciate you listening to us tonight have a good night and go jays